This will work. I've got a microphone. So uh, we are going to start into Ephesians tonight. I don't know if you've ever studied Ephesians before, but a uh, wonderful, wonderful book of the Bible. And uh, Vince cannot answer these questions because he's taught through it in the not too distant past. But uh, what's the theme of Ephesians? Key word, just one word. Okay, you're at the right place. That's why we're here tonight. We're going to study together, okay? Yeah, let's, uh, let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word now, and I pray as we get into the book of Ephesians that it would be a fruitful, a fruitful study for all of us. And so we just thank you for this wonderful little epistle in the New Testament and the emphasis it makes. So uh, bless our time of study together. Pray in Christ's name, amen. Okay, well, the theme of Ephesians is church, okay? church. And uh, we think kind of universal church, but in terms of church, what two aspects of the church are there? Local and universal, right? And what's the predominant emphasis in the New Testament? Universal church or local church? Local church. Interesting enough, Ephesians kind of puts the emphasis on the universal church, but overall, all these letters that Paul is writing, he's addressing local churches with local church problems and local church leadership and, and all of these things. So, uh, yeah, uh, local and universal church. Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. Uh, we think he wrote somewhere between AD 60 and 62. And uh, really, you break the book of Ephesians down in, in two ways or in, in two uh, categories. You have the first three chapters emphasizing doctrine and chapters four through six emphasizing practice. And Paul likes to do this. We see this in Colossians. We see it in Ephesians, uh, etc. Ephesus, uh, rather Ephesians, we think was a a circular letter. It's interesting. Uh, Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus, right? Second missionary journey, spent three years there, longer than any place else uh, at one place. And so it's kind of strange when he's writing the book of Ephesians, what's missing? Names. <laughs> it's not greeting anybody. He's not, not address all the other epistles. I mean, he's got all kinds of names all over the place. Not in this epistle. That's why we think it was a circular letter intended not only for Ephesus, which we think it was, prominent probably, because uh, Ephesus uh, is the only city named, probably because it was the prominent city, but uh, probably intended for other uh, surrounding cities, other surrounding churches in other little cities around there, like uh, Colossae, uh, Laodicea, whatever. So uh, it's, it seems it was a, probably a circular, circular letter. Uh, it is one of a certain category of epistles that we call the prison epistles, right? We think Paul was in prison twice. This was the first time. And he wrote uh, not only the book of Ephesians, but also Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, uh, what we commonly call the, the prison epistles. Uh, just a couple of other introductory notes here. Uh, I said it, it seems like it was a circular letter, so it is the most impersonal of all Paul's letters. You know, if you're writing to a whole bunch of people, it's not going to have the same personal feel, right? That if you're writing to a certain group of people. So it's, uh, it's the most impersonal of his epistles, and, and yet it reaches the highest of church truth that we have in the New Testament. So uh, kind of just interesting as far as the, the character of the letter. Uh, Ephesus, uh, it was a, a major city 
somewhere we're guessing between 350,000 and 500,000 people. How many people does Omaha have? Yeah, about that many. So we're talking pretty big size city, right? I mean, this is, uh, I don't know how big the church was, but probably relatively small in comparison. You know, a few hundred people, maybe. So uh, it was a a major political, commercial, religious center. It had an amphitheater that would seat 25,000 people. So, I mean, you had quite the sporting events going on in in the city of Ephesus. A lot of things happening there. It was a major crossroads. You had one of the seven wonders of the world, which was the uh, Temple of Diana. And so uh, you had a lot going on in that city. What uh, country in the world uh, was it located in as far as modern-day world? Where would this be located on a map? Turkey, right, Turkey. Is Ephesus there today? Nope, no longer there. It's not, not, not in business anymore. So pretty big city. Let's say 500,000 people, nobody there today. Boy, what happened? Went out of business. Uh, it's not there today. Okay, um, I think that's probably enough for now as far as our uh, introductory uh, comments there. Let's get into it. The book of Ephesians and uh, chapter 1. And uh, somebody want to read the first uh, couple of verses for us. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Somebody want to read that for us? Yeah, Dwinette. Okay, so he begins, Paul, uh, this is his uh, common name that he used after his conversion. And uh, it's interesting, what was his uh, name before? Saul, Saul. right. And so kind of took the name Paul after his conversion, which really kind of relates to uh, his uh, ministry to the Gentiles more. So uh, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, The word apostle literally means sent one. And uh, when we see the word apostle in the New Testament, it's used in two ways. It's used in a general sense, and it's used in a technical sense. Uh, A sent one, uh, for example, uh, it's used just in general of of people sent out by the churches, as we would uh, send out missionaries in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 23. But most of the time, when the word apostle is used in the New Testament, it's used in a technical sense. Those special sent ones who were the special authoritative representatives of Jesus Christ. And they had to meet uh, certain criteria. They had to meet certain qualifications in order to be an apostle. Uh, Do you know off the top of the head what what were some of those uh, qualifications that a a sent one, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, had to meet? Had to be personally chosen by Jesus Christ. That's right. Uh, Something else. Had to have been an eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. Yep, that's true. Uh, Anything else? Well, those are two prominent ones right there. We don't have to name them all. Uh, Other things you could mention, I mean, they they had specific special miracles that they did at at their hands and and so forth. Uh, They were the foundation for the the church, uh, and they gave forth the revelatory foundation, the New Testament scriptures that the church then builds on. These were unique men who had a very special authoritative role. I mean, they did represent Jesus Christ on a very special level as apostles. So he says, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. What's that tell us? By the will of God. He's an apostle by the will of God. What's that tell us? 
Yeah, he was not self-appointed, right? Always be leery of self-appointed apostles. We have a few of them running loose today. Uh, They're false apostles. The only true apostles are those chosen by Jesus Christ, uh, by the will of God. Uh, So he was not a self-appointed apostle. It was by the will of God. You know, he didn't wake up one day and say, you know, I think I'm going to aspire to be an apostle. What do you guys think? (laughs) No, that's not how it worked. I mean, he had no idea what God had for him when, you know, Jesus Christ confronted him on the road to Damascus. So an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Yes. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not that he, uh, he was chosen, you know, not that he volunteered, he was agreeable to that. God really had to, you know, well, kicking again. <laughs> right. Well, it's interesting. When he put him down on the ground, uh, what, did, what was the first thing he said then? I mean, up to that point, that's true. But then what did he say? Uh, yeah, Lord. Uh, who, who are you, Lord? And then, Lord, what do you want me to do? I mean, it's all Lord, Lord after that, after he's on the ground. But, yeah, up to that point, that's true. Yeah, how long are you going to kick against the goads? Yeah. Okay, any other thoughts? All right, let's press. Uh, Apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Uh, The word saints means set apart ones or or holy ones. And so he's addressing the saints. This is their position. And I often say you got saints and you have ain'ts. You're one or the other, the saints and the ain'ts. Uh, all true believers are saints. Are you a saint? Some of you aren't sure. (laughs) If you're a believer, you are a saint. Uh, You know, that's your position in Christ. I'm not saying you're always saintly in your practice. None of us are where we ought to be totally in that regard. But in terms of our position, we're set apart. You know what sets us apart? The blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for us. We now belong to him. We are set apart in Christ. We belong to him. And that will, that will never change. So he's addressing the saints who are in Ephesus. That's their, their physical position. Uh, that's where they were living uh, currently. Uh, they are the, the saints who are in Ephesus. And then he says, and faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, faithful could mean uh, believing ones or devoted ones. You could take it either way here. Um, probably uh, um, believing ones, in Christ Jesus. This is their spiritual location. They are in Christ Jesus. Uh, By the way, in Christ is found nine times in verses 1 through 14. Tremendous emphasis. Uh, I remember Vince making that emphasis when we went through that. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. What's the concept of being in Christ? Like I say, you got the physical location at Ephesus. This is where the saints are physically located. Spiritually, they are located in Christ. What's the concept of that? Union with Christ, right? That's the idea. Union with Christ. They are spiritually united with Christ. They are in Christ. And uh, that's where all the saints are found. Okay, uh, that's verse 1. Any thoughts there before we move on to verse 2? All right, verse 2. Notice what, uh, we got a message from heaven from the Apostle Paul. What is it? Grace to you. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that. I love that message from heaven. I love that message from God. Well, what is the message from God through the Apostle? Right out the chute, grace and peace. 
this is the message to the saints. And I think that's God's message to you tonight. It's like, what's the standing message? Before anything else that he has to say to God's people, what's the message? Wrath and anxiety. No, that's not it. It's grace and peace. I love that message from God. I'm sure you do too. By the way, Paul coined the, the greeting grace. Grace, Christian greeting, grace to you. Uh, and of course, it's from God. But uh, grace as a greeting is kind of coined by the Apostle Paul. Not the word itself, but as a greeting. It's Paul that really, it seems, coined that as, as a greeting. And uh, grace, of course, means what? Favor. Unmerited favor. God's favor. God's blessing. God's favor. Unmerited favor. Uh, grace is always first. Always. And what flows out of grace? Mercy. Well, mercy, but in this context here. <laughs> I know you're reading out of Titus right now, but uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it's grace to you and peace. Peace flows out of and is a result of God's grace. Uh, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, what did he do for us? Well, namely, the greatest act of grace in the history of the world, dying on the cross for our sins. That's all grace. It's the gospel of grace, right? That's what we preach. So grace to you. Uh, I mean, this is forever the position of the saints. They stand in relationship to God's grace. What a wonderful reality. You can go to sleep tonight with that. What, what's God saying to me tonight? Well, grace and peace. Grace and peace. And you have his peace because of his grace. Peace uh, is, uh, you know, the Greek word erinae, which corresponds to the Hebrew word shalom. I love that word. It just sounds nice. Doesn't it sounds peaceful. <laughs> shalom. It's a wonderful greeting. The Jews, you know, they're saying shalom all the time, coming and going. Shalom, shalom, shalom. And uh, it's uh, peace. It's the idea of wholeness. All is well. All is well between us and, and uh, God as, as saints. Why? Well, because of grace. Grace to you and, and peace to the saints. And then he says, from God our Father, uh, this is who the message is from, and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's kind of interesting. They're linked here. Is it from God the Father or is it from Jesus? Yes. Uh, it's from both. And, and that puts them kind of on an, on an equal level here. Uh, it's uh, from both. of. They are linked here, emphasizing uh, you know, that, that connection there. What's the idea of God our Father? What do you think of when you think about God being our Father? I mean, there's other things you could use. God our Creator. God our Judge. Emphasis here, our Father. Yeah. I'm sorry? Okay, I'll come back to you. Yeah, Vince? That's right. You said one important word. I'm going to come back to it, but I want to hear what the other input is. Uh, Lori? I was just going to say it's, soft, it's like a softer. It's well, like, like what Vince was saying, like a father is more like a softer tone. Yeah. Right? When care is really kind of a key word here. Uh, the father's care. 
Uh, and, and all that goes into that, it can, you know, it involves discipline, it involves encouragement, it involves all, all kinds of things. But he, he cares for us. He has the, the overarching care of us as our Father. And then uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, uh, Lord means master, Jesus means God's savior, and Christ means anointed one, the, the special prophesied promised one in the Old Testament. And uh, so uh, this grace and peace comes from them, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, any other thoughts? But yeah. Could one say that, you know, since it comes from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, it's almost like having a double portion of grace and peace, right? It's, uh, they both are sending that. <laughs> well, they are. That, that's true. So it's almost like, it's not just one, it's two, you know. Yeah. There is a double portion of this. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we can really, in this sense, say, well, the Father is sending something and then the Son something else. It's the same thing. It's the same thing, but yeah. it's a double emphasis. There's a, yeah, it's coming from both. It's coming from both. Yeah, and of course we know the Trinity, you know, uh, it's like there is a distinction between the two, and we'll see that again in the next verse here. But uh, yet there's, <clears throat> there's a, a link there, too. There's a connection between the two of them here. So, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're good. I'm thinking along the lines with your teaching in uh, Habakkuk. Yeah. The just shall live by faith. Mm-hmm. And it's that faith also that, that brings us peace. You know, and, and you know we, we are in that context of a troubled world. Right? And not only we have peace uh, with God, but also have the, the peace of God. And that comes through that grace and the living by faith. Yeah. Well, right? amen. We look at a troubled world and, you know, I can sleep tonight. That's right. <laughs> amen. And, you know, we, we, think, about, um, we think, think about our position, uh, peace with God, right? Romans 5.1. Think about the peace of God, Philippians chapter 4, uh, which is more our, our practice, our experience. I think here the emphasis is more our position, uh, because he's establishing, you know, what we have in God as far as spiritual blessings. That's where he goes here. But, uh, yeah, uh, when I think about where we stand with God as saints that he's just mentioned, uh, grace and peace. That, that's our established position there. All right, let's have somebody read, uh, well, let's break it up, verses 3 and 4. Somebody want to read that? Yeah, John? Okay, thank you. Uh, this is kind of amazing stuff, amazing territory. Uh, usually, you know, um, when I preach on Sunday mornings, uh, do I preach in sentences? Do I preach a sentence at a time and say, well, today we're going to take a sentence and we're just going to, uh, we're, we're just going to cover one sentence today. You know, I kind of used to do that. I was going to be John MacArthur, I guess, or something. And that's what John MacArthur kind of... And sometimes guys that are really deep take one word, right? We're going to do a word study, go deep in the Hebrew, Greek, whatever it is. But, you know, as I've gotten older, what, what do I do now? Paragraph guy now. I, I teach in paragraphs for the most part, right? Exactly. Well, here we have one long sentence in the Greek... 
verse 3 through 14 is one long sentence in the Greek. Maybe we ought to stick with a sentence for the rest of the evening here. Uh, We're not even going to get through the sentence. We're just going to get through verse 6 tonight. But uh, what an amazing thing. And what does it cover? It covers, uh, really, it's, it's the master plan of God's salvation laid out in one sentence by the Apostle Paul. That's what we have here in verses 3 through 14. Uh, we have an emphasis on the past, the present, and the future in relationship to salvation. We have an emphasis on the Father, His role, the Son and His role, and the Spirit and His role. It kind of breaks down along those lines. And, uh, you know, when you think about this, there is some amazing stuff here. You know what? We went to see the Grand Canyon a few years ago in Arizona, right? And the Grand Canyon is called Grand for a reason, right? How many of you have seen the Grand Canyon? Ah, most of you have seen the Grand Canyon. How, how, how long is the Grand Canyon? I thought I was going to drive up to the Grand Canyon and say, well, that's cool. I've seen it. 277 miles worth, Right. Uh, how far down is it in different, you know, different levels, of course, different places. But how far down as far as it's deep at point? How far does it go? Mile down, right? And how, many, how far across to the other side in these gaps in this Grand Canyon? Well, at some points, 18 miles across, right? So um, let me ask you, when we went to the Grand Canyon, did we see the Grand Canyon? Ah, good qualifier. <laughs> yes, we did in a sense, but there's so much more to see. We, we just got a sampling of it, right? That's the way this long sentence is. We're going to touch on it. We're going to see it. But there is so much here beyond what we could ever comprehend. It's so deep, so vast, so wide. This is God's great plan of salvation. So awesome, nobody ever plums the depths of it. I don't think we ever will, even in eternity. Um, we're never going to be as, we're never going to have the mind of God, which is so expansive and so great. But what a wonderful salvation it is. Notice he begins here by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, blessed be the God and Father. Um, this is the appropriate place to start out. Doxology, right? Blessed is the word, is the idea of praise. Uh, uh, the idea of to speak well of. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, we saw God and Father uh, and the Lord Jesus in verse 2. Now we see God and Father. But here it's a little different. Uh, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's that emphasis? How is he the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? That's why you're here tonight, right? You say, you're the teacher. Go with it. <laughs> I think it relates to the humanity of Christ in a sense. I mean, he was always the Son. There's, there's an eternal relationship. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. He's the eternal Son. So there is an eternal uh, relationship there. But, uh, you know, after the resurrection crisis, go, go tell my brethren that I go to my father and your father uh, in relationship to his humanity. So perhaps there is an emphasis there. But then he continues, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. These are salvation realities that we will touch on as we, as we go along here. But notice uh, he has blessed us with some Every, or all, right? Uh, every spiritual blessing. Uh, 
this is, again, our position in Christ. You say, well, I'm waiting to receive the blessings. <laughs> really? You've already got them. They're all yours. You say, well, I think God's holding it. You know, when we think about this, we think about physical things, right? I'm waiting for physical blessings, more physical blessings. Well, that's true. He's blessing to stay in and day out, grace upon grace. But in terms of your spiritual position in Christ, you got it all. You got it all, even now. And uh, we're talking about things like our position in Christ, redemption, security, new nature, uh, all of these things that he will go on to uh, touch on. Every spiritual blessing. Uh, spiritual blessings are those related to the Holy Spirit. And notice where uh, the emphasis is. In heavenly places in Christ. Uh, in the heavenlies. Uh, heavenlies is found five times uh, in, in, in the book here. And it relates to the, the sphere, uh, the realm of, of our association identification. And so uh, note again... It's found in Christ in relationship to our union with Jesus Christ, in, in, in connection with our relationship with him. Out of that, uh, everything flows uh, from this divine realm where Christ is currently seated in the heavenlies. And uh, we have every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. A little different emphasis than we find with Israel in the Old Testament. What, what kind of blessings did Israel, was Israel promised? Physical blessings. Earthly people. Physical blessings. Emphasis. What about us? We're the church now. We're the saints. Emphasis now is on spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Our, our heavenly position, our spiritual position in Jesus Christ is the emphasis here. Okay. Um, all right. Any other thoughts? I think we're talking about spirit. Yeah, yeah. I think we're talking about spiritual position here, and and he will uh, will get into some of this chosen before the foundation of the world, uh, what we have in Christ. Uh, but then you're talking more asking for physical things or, or whatever. Um, but as far as uh, who we are spiritually in Christ, I don't think you can add to that. Um, so I think we're still talking positionally here pretty much, not practically. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. Becky. Would spiritually, um, encompass, um, miracles at all that maybe we've seen? Would that be something? You know, in the context again, that's not really what, you know, he will emphasize the gifts later in chapter four and so forth. But I really think as we're in context here, he's really emphasizing what we, where we are positionally in relationship to God, our father. And so we'll touch on some of the things that we're talking about, I think, in context here. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd have to say, well, what sense are we talking about with, with miracles? I mean, um, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I just want to really stick closer with the context here as far as what we're talking about. Uh, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. I think he's talking about what we are and what we have spiritually in Christ. Our identity in Christ. That we have, we have everything right there. We don't all experience miracles, right? 
all the time. I mean, I haven't seen anybody raised from the dead. Have you? I mean, other than the morning service. Anyway, just kidding. Yeah. Right. But the scripture says, I don't need anything else. I'm, I'm completely in Christ. You know, I, I'm not lacking anything. For sure. I'm not a second citizen, second class citizen of heaven. Amen. That, that is a great point. I had the same experience and uh, really made you feel like, well, you're, you might be saved, but you're really missing out. Yeah. Unless you have this tongues experience or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, every spiritual blessing, it's, it's ours. It's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Again, I want to think uh, in Christ, in context, what we're talking about, our, our spiritual position in Jesus Christ uh, being emphasized here in particular. So not so much, you know, and we're not missing out on any gifts either. I mean, he's given us exactly what we want. He's put each one in the body just as it pleased him. All, all of those things are, are true. So uh, we're not missing out on anything. That's, that's for sure, sure. Colossians 2.10, you are complete in him, right? I mean, that emphasis there too. All right, any other thoughts? Okay, let's uh, go on to uh, verse 4. <clears throat> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lori. So basically, it's just saying we have blessings because, because of Christ dying for us. The in Christ part is, is that, right? Yes. Well, everybody that is a believer has that. That's right. Exactly. Because of what Christ has done for us, certainly we will get to that as we get into you know a few verses down the road here. But yeah, that's right. Uh, in Christ, and we'll talk about that too, that relates to our union with Christ. If you are in Christ, what he's talking about here is the spiritual blessings, uh, your spiritual position in Christ, you have it all. And you get into this even as far as male and female. I mean, we have the same salvation. We have the same spiritual blessedness as far as our position in Jesus Christ. There's, there's no, uh, we're all spiritual equals in that sense as far as uh, what we have in Christ. So, but let's talk a little bit more about this. Notice uh, we're in mid-sentence here, right? In fact, we're at the beginning of the sentence. Uh, notice as he says here in verse 4, just as he chose us in him, there's again, we got this in him going, right? Uh, in Christ, verse 1. In Christ, verse 3. Now, in him, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Um, so here we go. We've got this, uh, this chose us in him. Uh, there's key. When? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Uh, we're, in some deep, we're in some deep territory here. And uh, I'm open to you schooling me here. Because... This is, uh, what is this the doctrine we call here? Uh, he, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. What, what's that doctrine? What do we call that? Well, you could call it that or chose is, yeah, election. The idea of elect is to choose. You elect, you choose. And when did he choose? Before the foundation of the world. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah, we're in pretty deep here. You understand this, right? You got it all? Uh, yeah. Uh, and this is what I call the God side of things. The God side of things. Whatever you do, never deny election. You have to cut verses like this out of the Bible if you're going to deny election. 
Uh, it's right there. Uh, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. I like this uh, I like this note wherever I put it. Here it is. Uh, this uh, John MacArthur, and he says it well, so I'm going to just quote him. God's sovereign election and man's exercise of responsibility in choosing Jesus Christ seem opposite and irreconcilable truths. And from our limited human perspective, they are opposite and irreconcilable. Right? Yeah, that's true. Who chose? God chose me, and he did it before the foundation of the world. Didn't I choose Christ? Well, yeah. Choose this day whom you will serve, on and on. Uh, which is it? Well, uh, this is why so many earnest, well-meaning Christians throughout history, uh, the history of the church, have floundered trying to reconcile them. Since the problem cannot be solved by our finite minds, the result is always to compromise one truth in favor of the other or to weaken both by trying to take a position somewhere between them. We should let the antimony, antimony is something that cannot be brought together in our, in our minds. Uh, we should let the antimony remain, believing both truths completely and leaving the harmonizing of them to God. Uh, I'm good there. I'm good there. Uh, it is not that God's sovereign election or predestination eliminates man's choice in faith. Divine sovereignty and human response are integral and inseparable parts of salvation, though exactly how they operate together only the infinite mind of God knows. That is where I'm at. I can't completely sort this out. I can't figure this out. Uh, you say, well, you know, if you're going to just be a, a hyper-Calvinist, what will be will be, uh, then it doesn't really matter. All the, and it's true, all the elect will be saved. I agree with that. But there's an urgency in the New Testament. Today, if you will hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Receive not the grace of God in vain. I mean, we could go back and forth throughout the scriptures, interweaving this. Uh, like I say, the God side of things, I don't have it all figured out, and I agree with the Bible when it says his ways are past finding out. Uh, this is one of those areas. But it's true, uh, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Well, this, uh, yes. Uh -huh. Sure, absolutely. And I want to clarify this. I don't have any problem with God's election, right? Right. But Sometimes in this verse, what, what some of the misunderstanding happens is that it doesn't say that he chose us to him. It, he chose us in him, which is different than say that he chose us to Christ. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so there is a, a, some uh, difference of nuance there. Yep. The word that is consistent all through in him, in Christ, in him, in him. You know, so... Uh, I'm, I'm always, you know, when I hear people say, well, God chose us before the foundation of the world. Well, that's not what it says. He chose us in him. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't say he chose us to him. And so we, I, I agree with you, you know, it's, uh, this is an area to tread carefully, right? But also yeah. want to notice that. Yeah, it gets, it gets complicated. You're right in terms of the nuance there. And uh, there's an emphasis like, uh, well, when we get down to uh, predestined, which we're headed to, which is the idea of to predetermine, uh, there's an emphasis on uh, predestined, uh, and you're getting me ahead of myself here now. But, yeah, uh, uh, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. Yeah, because we're just about there. But uh, yeah, um, God had a plan. Let's leave it there. God had a plan before the foundation of the world, and he knew where he was going. Yeah.
No. Sure. He certainly, he certainly knows all things. Uh, the emphasis becomes who chose first. Yeah. And, and do we choose because he chose or do we choose independently of his choosing? There's the question. There's that tension I'm talking about. Which I do think people try to wrestle it out and they try to, and they try to, then they try to get to a point where they're convinced of one and they try to argue one. You really cannot put that fully together. Uh, he is the Alpha and Omega. Of him and through him and to him are all things. And, and none seeks after God on their own. And yet, I do want to say there is human responsibility. For example, when it says here, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. When are we in Christ? Were we in Christ before the foundation of the world? You got to get to verse 13. Right. <laughs> and also, like where Paul says in Romans 16, 7, he says, he's speaking to people, he says, they were in Christ before me. Well, what does he mean? In other words, you are either in Christ or outside of Christ before you're saved. Are you in Christ or outside of Christ? Outside. You're outside of Christ. You're not in Christ until you get saved. And yet, he says, chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Um, yeah, we're, we're at that point where it, uh, it gets, uh, where's my other notes? Moved all my notes here. I like this from Homer Kent, and this is kind of what you were saying, Vince, in a sense. He says, uh, the reasons or criteria for his choice have not been told to us. Except that it was according to his own good pleasure, as we will get down to verse 9. And then I like D.L. Moody here. The whosoever wills are the elect, and the whosoever wants are the non-elect. That is certainly true. That's true. And then H.A. Ironside, who said, uh, over the door of heaven... Whosoever will can come. And then once inside, you look back and discover chosen before the foundation of the world. Both are true. Both are true. And I understand we do not want to, uh, you know, I think there is human response and human responsibility. I think that's what the judgment is all about in one sense. Yes, Randy? Yeah, I've written down a statement here. Yeah. Right. We can't completely with, you know, and again, I, I really do want to take the Bible for what it says when it says his ways are past finding out. I can't completely figure this out. Uh, I am not wanting to divorce human responsibility from, from uh, the equation, though. Uh, God is sovereign. There is human responsibility, which you will give an account for if you reject the gospel. And yet, you know, it's not going to happen apart from God sovereignly working. So anyway, yeah, we're in, we're in, we're looking over the, the Grand Canyon. We're, we're, we're pretty deep here and we can't quite see the bottom. 
But uh, anyway, but notice that, uh, to what end he chose us. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. To what end? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So God had a plan by which the saints, he knew before the foundation of the world, uh, would be holy and without blame before him in love. Uh, this is our position in Christ. This is part of those spiritual blessings in heavenly places. We're holy. We're without blame. Uh, before him in love. Uh, this, is our, this is our position uh, bef- before him. Okay, any other thoughts as we... Uh, I have more to say there, but we're running out of time here. We've got two more verses. Yes? What's the, how's the in love connect? Oh my goodness, I knew you were going to ask that. <laughs> you know, this, the, the scholars say you can take this one of two ways. And uh, you could understand it uh, as uh, when it says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Kind of emphasizing... If, if this is really true, that you are in him and, and uh, uh, you are holy and without blame, then that's going to work its way out in love in, in your life. That's one, that's one thought. The other is, no, the emphasis is on, on God and God predestined his love uh, for those that he has chosen. And the flow of thought would seem to go there as far as verse 5. So, um, yeah. Uh, and with that, look uh, across the page, uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy. Uh, there we go, Albert. Mercy is there. Yeah. But, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. So it, it is, you know, you just see the love of God there in, in that verse as far as even before, even before we were saved, even when we were dead in trespasses. Uh, yeah. If I may, if I, can, if I recall correctly, you know, there is no punctuation marks in, in Greek. Right. Uh, and so uh, some of the translation of commentators, what they do, they put in love with verse 5. Right. So in love having predestined us. That's right. And uh, so they link the in love with the next verse rather than with the preceding verse. That's right. That's right. Some do that and some link it with verse 4. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it does seem to flow into what, where we're going here in verse 5 in that sense. Yeah, right. Okay, who wants to read uh, verses 5 and 6? <clears throat> John? Okay, very good. And I too would tend to lean towards the flow of thought being in love. Now he has predestined us. And again, this fits, you know, with this whole doctrine of election in the sense that uh, predestined means to mark out beforehand, to predetermine beforehand. And uh, it's interesting, though, when you look at this word predestined, um, you know, when you think about predestination, you think about heaven and hell. But really, in strict uh, context, uh, there's two major places. And in Romans 8, uh, 29 and 30, the emphasis there is predestined to Christ-likeness. Uh, the emphasis here is uh, predestined uh, to po- our position as, as sons. Uh, so it relates, the emphasis is on what we have in Jesus Christ in terms of our established position there. Um, God predetermined this is where we would, would be. So, um, 
Yeah, having predestined us to what? To adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. Uh, it's interesting here. The word sons uh, refers to adult children, uh, not little children. Uh, it's the idea of, of being a f- part of the family of God with all the privileges that go with it. Uh, all the responsibilities too, but all the, all the privileges that go with it. And the idea again here, no, no second class, no second class children. Uh, we're, we're all, uh, we've been predestined uh, to adoption as sons, uh, adult children who share in the, in the family's fortune, if you will, in the family treasures. Uh, and how does that happen? By Jesus Christ uh, to himself. Uh, Jesus is the mediator. He, he's, the, he's the basis. And uh, to himself, uh, to God our Father. And notice, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is his plan. This is what he has determined. Uh, this is his prerogative. It's, it's what God wants uh, and what he has determined. Okay, any thoughts there before we go on to verse 6? Yes, Albert. Can I read a, a little note I got here? Sure. If I can get focused in here. Uh, does God miraculously give us his own nature to those whom he has elected and who have trusted in Christ? He makes them his children in the image of his divine son, giving them not just Christ's riches and blessings, but also his very that's a good emphasis, right? As as sons of God, that's true. We share in the very nature of God, as well as the, the riches that he has bestowed upon us. So yeah, it's all true, right? Yeah, that's even a greater emphasis as far as we share in his nature. Yeah, that's good. Okay, um, then verse 6 to, to round out where we're going to go tonight. Uh, to the praise of the glory of his grace. Um, three times we have some form of this uh, to the praise of, of his glory or to the praise of the glory here. Uh, verse 6 here, verse 12, verse 14. To the praise of the glory of what? Of his grace. It's like he bursts forth with this statement on, on the grace of God here. Um, praising God for his, his amazing grace. Uh, we've been chosen to be holy. Uh, we've been predestined as, as adult sons who share uh, in... Uh, all that God has for us as, as adult children. Trophies of grace, really, the word grace emphasizes it's all God's doing. It, it's, all, it's all grace. And it says, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And really, the word accepted is a form of the word grace, by which he graced, graced us in the beloved. Again, uh, who is the beloved? Jesus, Right. And so that, that idea, again, uh, accepted us in, in Christ because of our, our union with Jesus Christ. All right, any other thoughts as we wrap up here tonight? It's all about being in Christ. We've seen that how many times here in the text? We saw it in verse 1. Uh, we saw it in uh, verse... Yeah, I was thinking verse 3 too, but I guess not. Verse 4? Three also. Yeah, in Christ. That's, there you go. Uh, verse 1, verse 3, verse 4. And here again uh, in verse 6, uh, in the beloved. It's like somebody... Verse 5, by Jesus Christ. So there is a form of yeah. him. Right. Tremendous emphasis for sure. Yeah, all the way through here. Right. And it's uh, really, it's all because of... Who, 
our union with Jesus Christ. It's like they said, you know, somebody used this illustration, you know, if, if you're sitting there and uh, in your house and all of a sudden this woman bursts through the door, just comes in without knocking and, uh, I mean, startles you half to death, you're going to think, boy, this, this isn't right. Maybe I need to think about doing something. Maybe even calling the police. I don't know. But if all of a sudden this woman comes in and uh, doesn't knock, just comes right on in the house, but on her arm is your 25-year-old son, changes the whole dynamics, right? Say, wow, uh, she's with him. Uh, she comes on in. Welcome. No problem. It's kind of the way it is with Jesus Christ. Uh, we come in with Jesus. Uh, it's because of what we have in Jesus Christ that, uh, and, and because of the grace of God that we are accepted. All right. Any other thoughts? Okay, let's share some prayer requests. Everybody's got a prayer sheet? Uh, I think, Dale, you need one prayer sheet? Two of them? Hopefully I got enough. Okay, do we have uh, any additional prayer items or praise items tonight? Yes, Jay? Yeah, I talked to my friend Bob today. He called and they're looking at end of life issues on Penny. Oh, really? Bob fails? Yeah, uh, she's kind of taking a turn for the worse. They don't know if they're going to be able to make her life any better. Okay, well, she's had tremendous health issues for years. We've been praying for her. So Penny fails, pray for her. It looks like, what, end-of-life issues? Possibly. Uh, Possibly. It didn't sound real good when I talked to him. And she's okay. ready. She's yeah. Jesus can turn the key any day. Yeah, amen. Well, so. praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Well, let's pray for Bob and Penny fails. Uh, her health is failing at this point. All right. Someone else? Yes, Dwinette. Yes. Can we continue to pray for him? Yeah. Yeah, we can. Uh, let's pray for Jerry. And uh, he's dealing with COVID. Yeah. Okay. And for his salvation. Let's pray for him. Yes. Um, he Joy. Is, he is out of isolation now. And all that was able to spend a day with him. Okay. Good. Good. So he's doing better. So praise the Lord for that. All right. Someone else? Yes, Lori. Um, I met a new friend. Her name, is, her name is Gypsy. Gypsy? Yes. Okay. Her real name is Melissa, which I found that out. But, um, okay. Her, she needs, we need to pray for her salvation, but she also, um, she just moved here from Florida, and she is going back to Florida tomorrow um, to visit who the mom of a newborn baby committed suicide. Oh, boy. Um, so she's going to be in a situation where um, she's going to be dealing with a lot of stresses. That's why she left Florida. Okay. Um, so just pray for her, her strength while she's there. And, yeah. Um, of course, pray for her salvation. She does not know the Lord. 
Okay, let's pray for Gypsy and life issues he's dealing with, but especially for her salvation. Yeah, you at? Someone else? Yeah. Dwight, uh, on number two. Yeah. Uh, I saw that email that you forwarded that, that he's got an infection again. Yeah, he's got, uh, yes. And he's better. He's better. Yeah, staph infection. Uh, he's doing better from what he said in the email. Actually, we corresponded back and forth a little bit today, him and I. Um, he's doing better, and hopefully, you know, he's out of the woods, but I think they're still kind of waiting to make sure the meds all take effect and, and that. So, yeah, let's pray for Dwayne and this uh, infection that he's got uh, going here. When you mean he's out of the woods, you mean figuratively and also? <laughs> no, he's back in the woods, uh, literally. Uh, I meant figuratively, medically. <laughs> but he is back in the woods right now. Yeah, so that, that's good. Oh my goodness. All right. Someone else? Yes, Becky? Tyler? Okay. Okay. All right. Let's pray for Tyler. Now he's trying to get sober and for his salvation. Yeah, let's pray for Tyler. Pray for mom, too. All right. Joy? Did you have your hand up? Yes, I did. I, I texted Carissa to ask her if I could share this, but I don't think she'll care. <laughs> she didn't answer. <laughs> she didn't answer. Okay. But it's, it's about Jim. He um, went into the ER last night with great pain, and I guess he needs his golf cart now. Yeah, okay. Let's pray. Okay. All right. Let's pray for Jim Van Sickle, gallbladder, gallbladder issues. All right. Anyone else? Yes. Kate. Yes. Okay. Okay, let's pray for... No, his name is Jason. He's not a believer at all. She is fabulous. Okay. Well, let's pray for his salvation and just for the Lord to direct here in this whole situation. Yeah, it's for Amber. Amber and Jason. Okay, anyone else? Yes, Kate. I'm sorry, limit of one. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> 